are tuning in to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. My name is Bree, and you can find me at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. Check out the show notes for more information, including a link to my website. Thank you so much for listening. Namaste. Hello, welcome to session numero dos. This is the second session of the Intro to Yoga 101 series. It is a part of a private online workshop teaching series that I hosted, and I'm really excited because I'm able to bring a good portion of those beginner class recordings to Yoga Podcast for you, the listener, for free. I hope you had a chance to listen to session one. You can go back and listen to that by checking out today's show notes for a link. And we have several sessions coming up as we break down what I consider some of the most foundational, fundamental ideas and concepts and asanas to set you up on the right track to begin your lifelong yoga practice. So the first part of today's session is very much a lecture to get you into the mindset that helps to prepare you. And then the other part of today's session is putting our bodies into tabletop posture and then downward facing dog and making the transition. Now these are two very fundamental parts of asana or the poses part of the practice and you will soon learn why. Everything that we do in these workshop sessions are very fundamental and it is exactly how I teach live yoga 101 classes. If you are just looking for a yoga pose breakdown, such as downward facing dog or tabletop, you can actually just go to my website, again, linked in the show notes, lovebreezybreeyoga.com, and you can check out Yoga Podcast for a list of all the previous episodes, as well as being able to just type in the asana, either in English or in Sanskrit if available, and it should pop right up. So thank you so much for listening and being here with today's class. Go in peace. Namaste. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Yoga 101, Session 2. I am your teacher, your guide, Breezy Bree. And I'm really excited about today's session. We will actually be hitting the mat. If you haven't had a chance to listen to session one, I invite you to go back and listen. And today we are going to dive deeper into some of the most fundamental postures that you will find in a yoga class. And the entire purpose of the Yoga 101 series is to prepare you to begin a lifelong practice of asana, which is the postures and the poses of yoga. Now, most of us are brought to yoga for physical reasons, some mental, right? We're looking for stress relief, but many of us wanna move our bodies, some wanna lose weight, some wanna gain strength and flexibility, and yoga will absolutely meet you on the mat and help you to live your best life. But as we discussed in session one, the most important part of a yoga practice in moving the body 
is the breath. We call that yoga of the breath or pranayama. And prana is all about that life force energy, that vital life force energy. Every time you take a deep inhalation, you are breathing in this beautiful oxygen, giving every cell of your body a delicious oxygen hug. And every time you're exhaling, you can be releasing, letting go, taking back your power by releasing whatever doesn't serve you, sending out positive energy so that you can get it back in return. Even though yoga is a big part of movement of the body, I like to think of yoga as being physical therapy, massage therapy, psychological therapy, yoga being the teacher, you being the student, and then you being the teacher and yoga meeting you on the mat. Your mat is your sacred space, your time. It's your energy. And every time you're on it, I want you to feel that vibration of you having self-care, compassion for self that allows you to give that back to others. The best love that we can offer is the love of self, right? And that's what yoga helps us to discover. It's not always easy. It's not always this complete journey of wellness and sunshine and butterflies, <laughs> but rather it's like a garden, which we discussed in session one. It's this garden that you have to understand. You have to have the right soil, the foundation, you have to plant the seeds at the most opportune time. You have to be a student. You have to understand the seasons. You have to create boundaries sometimes to keep the critters out. <laughs> you have to give yourself a chance to thrive. And that's what we are hoping this Yoga 101 series is able to do for you. Now I have taught many live yoga workshops that are all about Yoga 101. I've taught beginner series. I've specialized in yoga for beginners. And so I absolutely know what being new to yoga feels like. Not only because I was once brand spanking new to yoga, but because I've dealt with numerous students one-on-one -on -one and in group settings from all different backgrounds to all different ages. Some with injuries and illness and ailments, some with healthy and youthful and vibrant, flexible bodies and everything in between. And what I can tell you is it doesn't matter who I worked with, everyone has this feeling of wanting to be perfect, to do it quote unquote right. And I'm here to remind you that yoga will meet you on the mat. Your body has no clue what a yoga pose is or what it's supposed to look like. Your brain sends your body information. 
So we want to make sure your brain is wired to send your body the best, most compassionate information you can. So remember, your body has no idea what the most advanced variation of a posture is. It only knows what you are doing. So you're encouraged to find your edge. And that edge can move and change day to day, practice to practice. Some days you are feeling very flexible and your hips are open and you can balance on one foot and you're in the present and you're breathing in that delicious prana. And some days your mind is all over the place. You're emotional. You're having a tough time balancing. The body feels sore and nothing feels right. That's okay. That's why it's called a practice. You're not here to master yoga. Teachers are still students. And this philosophy of yoga is vast. You can dive as deep into the ocean waters of yoga as you like, or you can hang out and just feel the water rush up between your toes. Whatever you do, do it with intention and compassion. So with that, I invite you to find yourself seated in a comfortable posture. Now, if you're seated, we call this easy pose. Now, easy pose sounds easy, <laughs> but what you will learn over time is that there's so much that can go into a pose that's called easy pose. Now you can just sit comfortably. Maybe your legs are crossed in like a pretzel type posture, just like when you were a kid. Maybe your legs are in some other variation or you've made some modifications and adjustments to meet your anatomy, your body. Maybe your hands are pressed together in what is known as prayer position or namaste. Maybe your hands are just sitting on top of your knees or thighs. Whatever position you're in, universally it could be known as easy pose. Just sitting and grounding from your root to the earth. Now, as you begin to learn about yoga, you're going to learn that we have this fundamental idealism called root to rise. If you've ever been a dancer or a gymnast, maybe a martial artist, you might also be familiar with this concept. But if this is new to you, I want you to think of it like a tree where there's roots growing from the depth of the earth through your body, looking up toward the sun. Anytime
you are on the earth, you are rooting, whether it's from the bottoms of your feet in a standing posture, whether it's from your hands, maybe it's from your knees, maybe your towel, maybe the crown of your head, maybe it's your spine when you're lying on your back, maybe it's your belly. Whatever body part is touching the earth, I want you to always think of it as rooting. So even in easy pose, you're beginning to root and ground. Now later on in the lessons, you'll learn about the chakra system and the energy fields and the concepts that support the idea, ideas of grounding energy. But they sound exactly how they sound. You're grounding yourself, becoming one with nature. Now you will begin to learn about the importance of placement and neutralization of your pelvis. Your spine. Your shoulders. And you will even apply that information to a posture such as easy pose. But for now, we're just sitting and grounding. You always have the option to do whatever is best for your body. So if you notice that you're feeling achy or uncomfortable, to an extent, look for comfort. If you're uncomfortable because your spine is aligned and you're just not used to sitting in this posture, Yoga is going to teach you how to breathe through discomfort. And we're going to talk about why that's important. What that does to the nervous system. If you feel pain, however, ever, stop what you're doing. That sounds obvious, but in that quest of perfection, that quest of doing, Sometimes we bypass what our body's trying to tell us. We let the mental, the emotional side of self take over. Now, as a teacher of trauma practices to include yoga, many of us have learned this and now it's unconsciously taking place where we just ignore the discomforts of the body. You know, I work with military veterans who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. I work with gymnasts who are competitive and what they both have in common is getting the job done by any means necessary, even if that means ignoring physical pain. They truly believe in mind over matter. Yoga is all about the mind-body connection. We don't want to force anything. We want to lean into things, but we don't want to push past our limits. We want to allow the practice to grow organically. 
So I don't want you to write in your journal that you're going to get handstand by this certain date, which I have to admit, I've done things like that. But it doesn't serve you because yoga is about a lifelong practice. That is the journey. The journey isn't mastering, acquiring. It's about being. Yes, there will be progress. That's the human way, forward-moving progress. But there will also be times and moments and practices that are not about anything other than being on your mat in a sacred space, maybe in unity with others, maybe just with self. Please understand that this is what makes yoga so special. As you find yourself with maybe closed eyes, maybe just a soft gaze, beginning to focus on your breath, there are many different ways to engage in yogic breath, pranayama. Sometimes we breathe in and hold the breath and then open the mouth and let it all escape. Sometimes we create heat in the body by the way we breathe to warm us up from inside out. Sometimes we create coolness in the body by using our tongue in a certain way that allows us to feel a different type of breath work entering into the body. There are many, many different ways to engage in the practice of pranayama. Some you will learn by practicing with me Some you will study. But ultimately, I want your intention to always be that you are breathing in vital life force energy and you are respecting and honoring that. As long as that's your intention, you can utilize pranayama in many, many different forms, different ways, different techniques, like anything else. Us humans have come up with lots of different ways to create But just intentionally taking a moment throughout your day, rather on your mat or off of your mat, to find your breath and to acknowledge it. To use your breath for different ways of engaging in intention, whether it's deep inhalations, allowing yourself to receive, deep exhalations, allowing yourself to let go, or whatever different intentional, mindful, breath work you're engaging in, just engage. Now, as you move your body on your mat, 
you create what we call a moving meditation where we make a mind-body connection by utilizing breath. So when you move the body, you start to mirror the body with the breath. Or when you're holding the body in a static position, you still stay focused on your breath. Whenever you find yourself holding your breath and you make that acknowledgement, quickly release it and begin again. If you find that your body will naturally inherently hold its breath during certain postures, just know that's your body's infinite wisdom in trying to protect you. And we'll discuss why in a moment. Your goal is to remind your body that you're safe and secure and that you are purposely putting your body in whatever position, whatever motion you are. And you do that by making the mental acknowledgement and then by using your breath as confirmation. Our nervous systems are developed to protect us. Our nervous systems are our body's way of reminding us to be safe, to survive, to live, to see another day. If you were on the side of a cliff, you would feel this anxiety, your body tense up, your nervous system engaging. This is to prepare you to be strong, to be able to survive. If you saw a big bear, tiger, a lion, your nervous system would engage to prepare you to protect yourself. Now the downfall is we engage our nervous systems when we're not on the side of a cliff or being chased by a predator. We engage our nervous system when we're stressed. When our mind is in worry, when we create anxiety in the body by the information that the mind is telling it. Our mind is interesting. It's like it has a mind of its own. <laughs> And many of us go through our entire lives allowing the mind to dictate everything that happens with our emotions, with our physical, and that is not necessarily the most healthy and helpful way of living. It's not necessarily thriving. And why is that? Well, think about it, <laughs> pun intended. If you hear a song that reminds you of something sad then suddenly the emotions follow and then maybe the physical follows. Maybe you feel tired, maybe a little ill, a little achy. If you watch a movie that gets you inspired, it sends a message. If you think a thought that is positive versus a thought that is negative, it has an effect. One thing I learned from running marathons is the body is capable of a lot. If you fuel it and rest it, 
it will be happy to be in motion. It's the mind that you have to organize to get you through the journey. Yes, there are definitely times where the body is requiring you to rest and you need to honor that. But what we learn in yoga is we want to make that mind-body connection. We don't want the mind ruling the body in a negative way. We want to use the mind strategically for positivity. We want to visualize the best outcomes. We want to experience fruitfulness, big blossoming gardens, everything that is of wellness. And then we want to make that mind-body connection. And that's just the beginning. Yoga teaches us many different avenues to get there on and off of the mat. Even when you're not practicing yoga, you're practicing yoga. I can't tell you how many times I've done other activities that are completely unrelated to yoga in one sense, where I was practicing yoga anyway, if that makes sense. We have the old lizard brain, the amygdala, that's our fight, flight, or freeze. It's just like that nervous system response. What we want to do and what we tend to do when we're practicing yoga is we bring ourselves into our parasympathetic nervous system. That rest and digest. And that's what brings us health. So let's begin. I want you to take a moment here and set an intention for your practice. I want you to become accustomed to doing this. When you arrive to your mat, you either have a moment of gratitude. You might even engage in what we call a mantra. An I am statement, something that makes you feel tuned in, maybe powerful, loved whatever it is you need. Maybe you just set an intention for your practice in a way that allows you to stay connected or you send love to others, whatever it may be. You can say a prayer. Just make it a moment so that you can connect. You can make this space sacred. I went an entire year practicing yoga with a mantra written on my mat. Sometimes we need something to remind us. Never hesitate to bring a charm or a note or a message on the mat with you. Now we're going to go ahead and we're going to come onto all four hands and knees. 
Now, as I discussed in session one, you can have your props with you. You can have a blanket rolled up under your knees. You can even take your yoga mat and you can roll it up and place it under your knees. You can roll your mat so that you can grip it into your hands to take some pressure off of your wrist. You can utilize your props and I want you to always think about everything as a prop. Your mat, your blankets, your blocks, the wall, whatever it may be. Hopefully you're barefoot so that you can really feel the root to rise concept. But we're going to begin by placing the palms of our hands into the earth. The feet can be flattened or they can be tucked behind you. When you're in class, a teacher may guide you for a purpose. But if you're not being guided or you're just having your own personal practice, just do what feels best. You can also rotate back and forth between different postures and positions. So I like to tuck my toes and untuck my toes. I like to grip the mat and then I like to release the mat. I like to press my palms into the mat. Sometimes I leave them a little bit floating. I like to feel everything so that I can understand what my body needs any given practice. I like to make it therapeutic. That's not always the purpose when I practice, but it's usually my purpose. Sometimes I practice just to be in community or just to have a good time and have fun, letting go of the day. But when I'm being really intentional about my practice and my therapy session, so to speak, I like to really take an evaluation, an assessment of my body. How do I feel? What's showing up for me today on the mat? What did I bring to the mat with me today? Do I feel anything that I want to particularly think about during my practice? And I start by just checking myself out. Now, anytime your hands are on the mat or your feet are on the mat, they are one and the same. So when the hands are placed on the earth, they are acting as feet. Maybe they're pressing the mat away from you, keeping you stable. Whatever the case may be, I want you to think about it that way. A lot of times when we begin practicing yoga, our hands are very jello-like. We're not really engaged. And so a lot of pressure goes into other parts of the body. But I want you to really spread your fingers, press your palms into the earth, and I want you to press every inch of your fingers into the mat. The padding of each finger pressing so firmly into the mat that it feels like you're going to create five little holes from each hand in your mat. I like to get my students to think about if you were practicing on a garden or on the beach, you'd be literally sinking your fingertips into the earth. Making sure your palm is really engaged, you might even feel a little bit of discomfort here because your hands are not used to it. It begins to take the pressure off of the wrist when you do this. Now, if you have any other issues with your wrist or any ailments, then honor that. You can create fists. You can, like I said, roll the mat into your hands. There's even props that are designed for people who need to take the pressure off. But I'm going to make an assumption that you'll honor your body throughout today's lesson. Otherwise, I'm teaching to the masses. 
and what the highest variation of the posture should be. So the posture in its most destined form, so to speak. There's always ways to modify, there's always variations to every single posture, okay? So once you have your hands spread, I want you to just draw them under your shoulders. They're shoulder distance apart in width, and they're right under your shoulders. You're gonna see your wrist are nice in alignment. I want you to look down at the eyes of your elbows. I want you to slowly start to make an external rotation where the eyes of your elbows look toward the top of your mat. Now, whether they actually get there or not is up to your anatomy, but I want that to be your intention. You're going to feel the engagement. You're gonna feel the elbows engaging in. You're gonna feel the rotation in your shoulders. Now, if you have shoulder injuries or past injuries, your shoulders will dictate your practice and you will allow that to happen. Take your time with your shoulders. We don't wanna force your shoulders to do anything. Over time, your shoulders will open up. Scar tissue will begin to move around or soften. Could take months, but it is possible. And so we're going to slowly rotate those shoulders forward. You're gonna press into the earth and you're gonna feel yourself getting stronger and lengthening through your arms. I want you to pay attention to your neck here and tuck your chin into chest, just compressing your thyroid gland a bit. You're gonna feel the back of your neck open up. Now I want you to take your nose up toward the sky, opening up your throat, and then I want you to find a nice neutral long neck. Draw your shoulders behind you so they're not in your ears and they're kind of just floating down your back. Now your tail might be pressing out behind you, feeling a deep curve in your lumbar spine. I want you to tuck your tail in you. You're gonna feel your spine round a bit. And then I want you to find what feels neutral. So just like neutral, you're not pushed out, you're not tucked in, you're just neutral. Your knees are gonna to start to come hip distance apart. Again, your feet can be tucked or flattened, up to you. And this is where we're looking for a nice tabletop posture. Now, anything you do from here will come from this place. If you lengthen your right leg behind you and draw your toes to the mat, you're now in a modified variation of plank. That left knee is acting as a pillar, kind of like a bridge. And now you have a nice neutral, neutralized spine. So if you lift that left leg to match the right, you're in plank. If you sink your pelvis toward the earth, you're like a hammock. And if you press your tail up to the sky, you're like an awkward, an awkward bridge, like an awkward downward dog, and that won't feel good for your spine for longer than a couple of seconds. So go ahead and drop both knees, and you can come back and sit on your heels or find a seated posture just to give your wrist a rest, okay? So one thing I want you to think about when you're practicing yoga is typically every pose builds off of itself. So when you're on all fours, that's similar to being in plank, when you're in plank, you can press up into downward facing dog. When you're in downward facing dog, that is a variation of full handstand. When you are in handstand, you are in an upside down mountain pose. When you're in mountain pose, you're standing from your feet in a standing posture with intention. When you're sitting on your tail with your legs out in front of you, you're in the standing posture, but seated. And when you're
you're laying down on your back, you're in all of the above, right? You're in standing, you're in seated, you're in handstand, you're just lying with alignment in your spine. Now there are different variations in yoga. When your head is below your heart, we consider that to be an inversion. And we'll talk a little bit about that too before today's session is over. Otherwise, I want you to think about building. You're just continuously building from one pose to the next. You're not recreating anything. If your tail is on the earth, you're rooted. If your hands are on the earth, you're rooted. If your feet are on the earth, you're rooted. If your knees are on the earth, you're rooted, okay? So it's just a matter of what are you doing next? If you're standing on one foot, then you're rooting all your energy into the foot that's on the earth. So it doesn't matter. If you don't have that root, then you will not be able to feel comfortable in the posture. Once you feel rooted, then you start to look for alignment. You start to look for a neutralized body. And we'll talk more about that. You did that a bit in tabletop posture, right? You were looking for a neutralized spine. You were looking for a neutralized pelvis. You were looking for a neutralized neck. And you do all of those things by creating length and creating space in the body, okay? So let's come back onto all four. We're gonna do cat-cow. This is one of the staple postures to warm up the body. It begins to create a flexible spine. This is also one of those postures that you should try to incorporate into your lifestyle every day. Whether you get up in the morning and do a few cat-cows, you can do cat-cows seated in your office chair, in your car, you're at your desk. You can do cat-cows before you go to bed. They're just really good because it keeps the spine flexible. And as I always tell my students, you're only as old as your spine. And what that really entails is creating flexibility in the spine. When we think of flexibility, we think of touching our toes. But in yoga, flexibility is moving the spine. We want the spine to be pliable, okay? So back into tabletop, hands or shoulder distance apart, wrists are just under shoulders, neck is nice and long and neutralized, shoulders are down out of your ears, cruising down your back, eyes to the elbows are toward the top of the mat, of course your hands and fingers and palms are rooted, Pressing the earth away from you to create strength and length. Knees are hip distance apart. Feet can be flat or tucked, whichever feels best. And you're gonna feel the tail pressing out behind you. Just slowly neutralize your spine by tucking your tail and then finding neutral. You're gonna take a deep inhalation here. Deep inhalation, fill your lungs, fill your lungs, pressing against your rib cage. Deep inhale. As you exhale, I want you to press the earth away from you. Tuck your chin into chest. Tuck your tail into your body. And really create what we call Frady Cat. So a nice, engaged spine. Inhale your nose to the sky. Let your belly hang as your tail presses deep out behind you like a happy cow smelling the roses. Inhale, tuck your chin, tuck your tail, round your spine for Frady Cat. Your belly button is deep into your body. 
like a string pulling it towards your spine. Inhale your nose to the sky, belly hangs, tail presses out behind you, nose up to the sky like a happy cow smelling roses. Now with your own breath, continue to move your body through cat-cow. Deep inhalations, deep exhalations. This is what it feels like when you are moving your body with breath. This can be considered a moving meditation. Now in yoga, we have two most popular types and I'm going to talk while you're still moving your body. Again, you can go as fast or as slow. You can hold in Frady Cat if that feels so good flexing your spine. You can hold in Cow, whichever you decide to do is fine. In yoga, we have two primary types when we think about studio classes. We have what you call Hatha Yoga which can mean sun and moon. This is like a beautiful balance. It's also known as holding the postures for longer, creating more strength and durability in the body. So you might be holding your body in one posture but having multiple breaths for that posture. So like holding tabletop position, but you're not holding your breath, you're breathing. Or we have what we call vinyasa yoga. So that's like moving the body like water. It's like a beautiful dance that you create with the body and the breath. It is moving your body with breath. So right now, as you move with the cat cow, this can be an example of what it would look like if you were in a vinyasa flow. So it's kind of fascinating. Now, obviously there's more to both of those disciplines, but this is just a concept to wrap your mind around it okay so go ahead and bring your body back to a neutralized spine and we're gonna create opposition in the spine by wagging the tail so I want you to bring your right ear to your right shoulder left ear to left shoulder your tail will wag behind you like a happy puppy in yoga we're always looking for balance we're always looking for opposition as well so what we do on one side we try to do on the other within reason, and we also try to create opposition. So if we are bending the spine in one direction, we try to bend the spine in the opposite direction. Most everything we do in yoga is about the spine. So you will hear me talk about that, especially when we get to downward dog in a moment. Where your spine is, is really going to determine the health of the pose. Okay, your spine will help influence everything else in the body from the shoulders, hips, and knees. It's important. So now bringing it back to tabletop posture. If you need to take a break by just coming up on your heels, if you even need to stand up and move the blood and circulate the body, honor that. Whatever you need to do, do it here. And then we're going to come back into tabletop posture. So just a couple of more seconds to wiggle around if you need to. Coming back to tabletop posture, you're going to go into your first downward facing dog today. Now, downward dog is one of the most popular postures. There are other variations instead of doing down dog, such as dolphin pose, which we will not discuss in today's session but we will discuss eventually during the series, okay? We're gonna go into down dog first though because it's important for you to understand the purpose of the posture. 
Now, if you have high blood pressure, anytime your head is below heart, you're in an inversion. The blood is rushing to your head from your heart. If you feel dizzy, if you have vertigo, if you have high blood pressure, sometimes if you have low blood pressure, first of all, you need to make sure you're cleared to practice yoga by a medical professional. And you want to take some precautions before you go into an inversion. One of the biggest precautions you can take is keeping your head above heart. And the way to do that is to keep your eyes forward, to literally lift your head up. You can do that in downward facing dog. You can do that in a forward fold. So you do not have to go upside down. Now, if you don't have any issues that you're aware of and you just feel dizzy when you go upside down, it could be because you are dehydrated, which is usually the number one reason. So you wanna make sure you stay hydrated before you get to yoga class, maybe even throughout your practice and definitely after. So keep track of your hydration as you practice yoga. If you ever feel like you're getting headaches after class or a day later, check your hydration. If you're in a climate that's really dry or really cold, or even if it's really humid and you're sweating a lot, just stay hydrated. You might need to up your hydration as well. You might need to be mindful of your electrolytes. So coconut water, or electrolyte drinks, or making sure you have a perfect balance of magnesium, zinc, and sodium is important, potassium, all of that. Eat an avocado, for instance. Um, so know that that is a huge factor in your wellness of practicing yoga because you are breathing a lot and you're exhaling um, hydration, essentially, okay? So stay hydrated. Um, if you feel dizzy when you first go into your inversion and you need to just take it easy, you will possibly acclimate to it throughout your practice. So maybe your first down dog feels a little bit weird, um, but by your fifth, you're fine. So just make a little bit of a mental note of that, okay? If you need to rest at any time during your practice, you can always take child's pose. And actually, before we go into down dog, let's do child's pose because you can go into your turtle shell at any time. It's a universal principle, no matter what class you're in, which studio you're practicing in, anywhere around the world. Go into child's pose if you need to rest, okay? So we're gonna do the first, just typical child's pose. There's other variations of it. You can start to draw your knees about um, mat width apart. The toes might touch behind you. You can let your belly hang in between. You can start to lengthen your arms out in front of you. And your forehead will start to look toward the mat. If it does reach the mat, you want to give it a little massage, you can do that. You can also place a block under your head. You can place a bolster in between your body and really rest in this posture. You can also pray, place your head on your hands. And you can also bring your knees together and place your belly on top of your knees as well. Your hands can go down by your sides or even behind your back or behind your neck. You can interlace your hands or bring the palms together. You can keep your hands way toward the top of the mat and look for stretch in the body. This can become an active posture, it can become a resting posture. Your teachers might 
guide you to do different things in child's pose. You can take your tail a little bit toward the sky and turn it into a bit of a puppy pose variation, which feels good for some who have tight hamstrings. So honor that as well. And if this posture doesn't feel restful for you, make it restful by using props, blankets, bolsters, your arms, different things, because this is and should feel peaceful. It's also known as peaceful warrior. So if your teacher invites you to go into peaceful warrior, child's pose or puppy pose, now you have a general idea of what you can do. If you need to just take a break in the middle of class, just go into your turtle shell like I tell my kids that I teach yoga to and relax, breathe, stay engaged with your breath, take a moment, take a break and invite some peace into your practice. So we're gonna go ahead and do that now. I want you to notice with every inhalation you're gonna feel your lungs expand against your ribs. And with every exhalation, you're gonna feel your belly get nice and full. And this is a really great place to actually pay attention to your breath and child's pose. You can hear your oxygen flowing through the body. You can feel it in the body. So it's a beautiful way to engage in this work. Take a few more deep inhalations and exhalations here in child's pose and then we will find ourselves back into tabletop and we will work our way into our first downward facing dog, also known as down dog. If you enter into a yoga studio when you first arrive, you can go into child's pose. You can set an intention this way or from easy pose or even from, from Shavasana, okay? Another one of those reasons why it's nice to show up to class about 10 to 15 minutes early, so you can create sacred space. There's nothing like arriving right at the beginning of class, starting looking for a space, or even arriving late, and just having that anxiety already built up. And if you do arrive on time or a little bit late, Still go into child's pose to center yourself, ground your energy. Remember, this isn't about being perfect. It's about creating a sacred time, a sacred space, self-care, moving meditation. So make that your priority. Come into tabletop. And now we're going to make our way into downward facing dog. From tabletop, I invite you to tuck your toes. Make sure before you go into down dog, you've done the correct setup of tabletop because everything looks the same when you're in down dog, okay? So the eyes of the elbows, the pressure in the palm of the hands, the fingers spread, the shoulders just over the wrist. All of that matters when you're in downward facing dog. If you are in a sloppy tabletop before you go into down dog, the down dog will not be stable, okay? And it does take a lot of strength to go into an upside down posture, such as down dog, which is a, a variation, I was gonna say a vibration, a variation and a modification of being in full handstand. 
So if you're in down dog, I just want to give you a visual. If you're in downward facing dog and you raise your right leg in the sky, all it takes is you to raise your left leg in the sky. I'm not saying that that's easy. I'm just saying if you think about it this way, you'd be in the full expression of handstand. So one leg up is a variation of handstand. Downward dog is a variation of handstand. So you want to set it up properly from tabletop. And that's why tabletop is so important. So once you've done that, hands are shoulder distance apart, fingers are pressed into the earth, palm is engaged, shoulders are just over your wrist, knees are hip distance wide, toes are tucked. I want you to begin to press into the palms of your hands and lift your knees off of the mat and just hover for a moment. You're going to fill it in your core and then you're going to press your tail all the way up to the sky. I want your eyes to stay up toward the top of your mat. Keep your head above heart for just a moment. And I want you to bend your knees. Now you can start to take your head below heart, if you like, into the inversion. Your eyes can go right in between your hands or start to look behind you or toward the belly button. You will learn later what Dristi is. It's a focus point that we introduce into yoga at which point your eye gazes will go off the tip of your nose, which creates an internal awareness. But for now, you're just looking to find the posture, okay? Now your knees are bent, and the reason is is because this posture is all about the spine. It has nothing to do with the heels of your feet touching the earth. If you happen to have flexible, open hamstrings and calf muscles and ankles, awesome. If that's not your body, if you're a biker, runner, if you're just tight in that space and your heels never touch the earth, that's okay. It's all about the spine. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do a little bit of a body awareness test here. If you need to take your eyes forward, you can honor that and then take them back into an inversion. If you're fine in your inversion, then good. Take a moment here and start to pedal your feet this is a way to just open up your hips, relax the body. You can shake your head from side to side. Shake it, yes, just to release the neck. Notice if you're keeping your shoulders in your ears because you're not used to being upside down. Just take your shoulders down and relax and let the head really hang. Really let the head hang here. Let the back of the neck be as loose as you can so that we can encourage the spine to loosen as well. When the spine is loose, it has flexibility. As you breathe oxygen through the bloodstream, you are lubricating the spine and creating that flexibility that we need. We want that. When we're 90 years old, we want a flexible spine and flexible hips, okay? That's why we're here today. Not just for all the other benefits, <laughs> but also so we can keep that flexible spine, flexible hips. And it takes every day because our hips and our spine, thanks to the nervous system, tighten up all of the time to help protect us. So this is your time to relax that energy. So I want you to press the earth away from you and I want you to tuck your chin into chest and I want you to try to round your spine like you did in Freddy Cat. 
And then I want you to try to let your belly hang and I want you to try to engage your lumbar spine where you can feel that curvature. It's not going to feel like it did in cat-cow because you're upside down. And then I want you to look for a neutralized spine. You might need to play around with it. Sometimes doing this in front of a mirror or a video, um, recording yourself so you can find your spine. Getting a private one-on-one -on -one session with a yoga teacher. This is one of the reasons why you would want to do a private session. We'll talk about that in another part of the 101 series. And then when you find a neutralized spine, you want to sort of memorize what that feels like in the body. Now, it may not be completely correct, but you're starting to build on that body awareness. You'll start to learn that something doesn't feel right and you need to correct your alignment of your spine. Now you can start to lengthen your legs if you like. I know you've been in down dog for a moment, so if you need to take a break, take a break. Otherwise, start to lengthen your legs. If your heels touch the mat, awesome. If not, that's fine. Your legs are about hip distance apart here. If you need your feet to be further apart for more stability, honor that. We'll talk about that too later. And now I want you to go ahead and drop your knees and push into child's pose. Take a rest. We're gonna do one more set of tabletop to down dog. And then we will conclude today's class. Find your breath, deep inhalations, deep letting goes. When you're ready, come back into tabletop posture. We're gonna take a few cat cows and happy puppies just to release any tension that came up in the body during downward facing dog, neutralizing the body. Set yourself up, remembering hands and knees are wide as the body, shoulders and hips. Eyes of the elbows start to look toward the top of the mat, even if just in theory. Feeling the shoulders come down and out of ears, rolling, rolling down your spine. Yes. Pressing the mat away from you with intention, creating length and strength, releasing the neck. Neutralizing your pelvis, which you will learn much more about when we go through mountain pose, but you start to get a general idea of how to neutralize the spine and pelvis here, releasing the hips. And from here, you can take a deep inhalation, nose toward the sky, belly hangs, tail pushes out behind you like a happy cow smelling the roses. Exhale as you tuck your chin, round your spine, tuck your tail for Freddy Cat, pressing the earth away from you, really feeling the spine flex. And then inhale back to cow, and exhale back to cat. Going as fast or as slow as you like, slowing it down, matching the movements to your breath. Take a few more if you need to roll your body like the ocean waves or create any other feeling here, honor that. You can wag your tail from left to right, right to left, just move the body, make it feel like water. And then you're gonna slowly come back to tabletop. Recheck everything before you go into down dog. Your down dog is only as 
solid as your tabletop. So again, checking the placements of the hands, the fingers, the wrists are under the shoulders. Shoulders are down out of the ears. Pelvis is neutral, spine is aligned. Knees are hip distance apart and you slowly begin to tuck those toes behind you. Pressing the mat away from you, lifting the toes, pressing your tail high in the sky, releasing the neck and deciding to take the full inversion as the eyes go toward the belly button off the tip of the nose. Finding your breath, keeping the mat pressed away from you, hands and palms are fully engaged. You can shake your head, yes, shake it from left to right, right to left. You can pedal out your knees to release your hips and then bend your knees, neutralize your spine like you learned and then slowly start to lengthen your legs for the full expression. Now, without a teacher seeing you in down dog, it's hard to know if your hips are as high as they can go, if your spine's as lengthened as it can be, but that's okay. For now, you're going to get the general concept of the posture, and over time, You'll begin to trust yourself. You'll begin to investigate. Most importantly, you get to see that this posture means so much more than maybe you ever, ever considered before. It's not just the most recognized posture in yoga. Slowly begin to drop your knees back to the earth, pushing your body into a peaceful warrior child's pose or puppy pose with your tail high in the sky, whichever feels best. And even though we tend to end every class in Shavasana and you're going to learn why that's important, today we're going to end the class in child's pose. I want you to think of your journey like that of a child. There are going to be so many challenges, but you don't even think about challenges. Babies don't think about how they're going to have to learn to hold their own bottle or how they're going to have to learn to crawl and walk or speak a language. Or go to the restroom go potty. Babies don't think about anything. They are instinctual. I want you to think of your journey from this place, child's pose. Just the beginning. I want you to take a moment and evaluate your intention you said at the beginning. The reason why this is important to you. Why are you here today? I want you to offer yourself a moment of gratitude. Thank yourself for being here with me as I thank you and I honor this time that you've allowed us to have together. I look forward to Yoga 101 Session 3 where we will begin to learn how to do a vinyasa flow 
or go from downward facing dog to up dog plank and other variations such as knees, chest, chin. And how we find ourselves from a seated posture to a flow to a standing posture. So I look forward to that. So thank you for being with me today. Please do go in peace. Namaste. I am so honored that you are listening to the Love Breezy Bree Yoga podcast. Never miss an episode. Download the free app on iTunes, Apple Podcast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please also rate the show with five stars. I would greatly appreciate that. Visit me on my website at lovebreezybreeyoga.com. I include free yoga sequences every single month. You can leave a comment or message me and we can connect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful personal practice. Namaste.